Hey, Scott. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this morning. Uh, it's great to be with you all here on a very brisk and balmy morning here in southwest Missouri, but uh, we are glad to be here to worship and to receive uh, God's Good gift morning. of word and Welcome to Trinity Lutheran today. Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I am Carol Clybaker, your announcer for the second Sunday after Epiphany. The Reverend Jake Slutton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is the organist, Mrs. Susan Sinegar, and the acolytes are Danica Yelnick and Lisette Vaught. Today's order of the service is also at www.trinitypristat.com. So let's stand this morning and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Uh, members, if the this is somebody that you don't recognize, please go say hi. Prairie, welcome them St. to worship John's today. St. John's Lutheran Church of Purdy, Missouri, <coughs> and dedicated to the glory of God. May we, bless, may we be blessed by God as we worship together. <clears throat> Our opening hymn today is, Lord, open now my heart to hear on page 908 of the Lutheran Service Book. Again, Lord, open now my heart to hear, found on page 908 of the Lutheran Service Book. There we go. So as you are taking your seats, uh, just a few words about the gospel text this morning, which is also going to serve as the text for the sermon. I, I couldn't quite figure out how to fit these into the sermon, so these are just some neat tidbits that I found out about the gospel text today that I wanted to share with you. Um, the gospel text is from John 2, which is the story of Jesus' first miracle as recorded by John which is the wedding at Cana in Galilee. So here's just some interesting tidbits about that. <clears throat> it's interesting to note that Jesus' first miracle in John turns water into wine. Uh, similarly, Moses' first miracle was changing the Nile into blood. There's kind of a connection there. Um, when the rabbis would talk about the fall into sin, so when Adam and Eve fell, the fruit that was eaten, they said, was the fruit of the grape, not an apple. The apple is just something that has kind of been um, used in pictures and in paintings and, and things. But the rabbi said that the fruit was probably a grape. If it was the grape that led Adam and Eve into sin, isn't it interesting that the first miracle that Jesus performs is turning water into wine, reversing again what happens in the Garden of Eden, and this is a, a a theme that is found throughout the Gospels. Uh, and, then, and then my favorite one. There are scientists who uh, try to explain away this miracle, that there is no way um, uh, that it could, it could possibly happen. Um, and so scientists try to explain that 
um, the way that the water turned into wine was a fusion of hydrogen atoms in the water to carbon. Fine. But here's the problem. The packing energy, I'm sorry, the, the packing fraction of energy just in one gallon of wine, if that would have happened, would have left a crater a half a mile across in just one gallon. And there were six jars holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. So if what those scientists say is correct, the crater that would have happened would have been 60 miles long. So there you go. Uh, Okay, so just some tidbits to be thinking of as we begin here this morning. And so let's open our service today with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that each of us are called here not by accident or chance, but by your holy gospel and your good news of salvation for us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we begin here, and it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Please stand. So we make our beginning this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my sins unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, our opening hymn today is Lord, Open Now My Heart to Hear, found on page 908 of the Lutheran Service Book. Page 908, Lord, Open Now My Heart to Hear.
The Lord brought me to the banqueting house. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. They feast on the abundance of your house. For with you is the fountain of life. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all of our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. lesson for this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 62, beginning at the first verse. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you should be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. 
you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you should be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the gradual. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name.
Thank you very much, choir, for that very lovely piece and as it adds to our worship. Uh, now is the time for all the young disciples, so we're here today to come forward for the children's message. Uh, please also, if you have them, bring up your Mighty Mites, your offering as well. <clears throat> a seat and face me. I'm going to go get the rest of my supplies here. Put this over here. Okay. So. No. All right. How are we today? Good. Okay. Who can raise their hand and tell me what a miracle is? What's a miracle? Or what do you think a miracle is? Keenan? Yeah, I would say that that's a pretty good definition. He said whenever Jesus does something that nobody else can do. Yeah, okay. In the gospel lesson for today, we are going to be reading or um, hearing uh, for sure, about the first time, at least in the Gospel of John, that Jesus performs a miracle, something only that he can do. And what he does is he takes water, water that's kind of like this, okay, and he turns it into wine. Now, I want all all of you to stand up and just kind of take a look, okay? Wine that, I mean, I don't know if it looked exactly like that, but it was something similar, okay? So, he takes water, and he turns it into wine, okay? The reason why he did that was because he was invited to a wedding. How many of you have been to a wedding before? Yeah, okay. Weddings are a lot of fun, okay? And one of the the things that you do after the wedding is you celebrate, okay? You celebrate the fact that the bride and the groom are now married, and you're very, very happy for them, and you want to wish them well, and you want to join them in their celebration, Okay, well, what Jesus does at this wedding is he performs this miracle. He turns water into wine. Now, the next question that I that I have, uh, well, let me say say this first. Okay, the reason why he turned water into wine was because they had run out. Okay, so his mother Mary comes to Jesus and says, "They don't have any more wine." Okay. And Jesus has a very interesting response for her. He says, well, what does that have to do with me? For my time has not yet come. And we're going to talk more in in the sermon about about what he means by that. Okay? But the question that I have for you guys here today is, what's the big deal with Jesus and his miracles? Why do you think that Jesus performed miracles? Because we know that he did this miracle by turning water into wine. We also know that he healed people of their various diseases and ailments that they had. Okay, we know that he fed 5,000 people, which is five loaves of bread and two fishes. 
Okay, right? So, what's the big deal? Why do you think it's important that Jesus performs miracles? Why do you think? Kenan? To prove that he's God. You are right on, my man. Okay, yeah, that's exactly right. To prove that he is God. It's not in our, it's not in the bulletin for today, but if you look up at that, at that banner right there, do you see that white banner with the red cross on it? What's the, what's the verse that is right underneath that? What does it say, uh, Cordell? That's right, John 20, verse 31. John 20, verse 31 says this, And Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book. And here's the important part. But these things, these things that I have written in my story about Jesus, these things are written so that you might believe. Okay? And that by believing, you might have life in his name. And so that is the whole reason for why John wrote his gospel, the good news about the Savior, and that's the whole reason why Jesus performs miracles, is to, is to not only, A, is to prove that he is God, but so that we might believe, and that by believing, we might have power in his name. I want to go show you guys one more thing. Come with me. <clears throat> now, there's no water in here this morning. Okay? Come back. Okay. There's no water in here this morning, but how many of you have come up here and sat down whenever we have baptized someone? Yeah. Okay? Whenever a baptism occurs, whenever somebody has water poured on them three times, and, and I say, and you are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that is a miracle as well. To use Kenan's definition. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on back. Um, to use Kenan's definition, which is spot on, it's something that only Jesus can do. Okay? Only Jesus can forgive our sins. Only Jesus can say, because you believe in me, you will have everlasting life. Okay? So can you fold your hands and repeat after me? Thank you, Jesus, for performing miracles. And performing a miracle in my life so that I believe in you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming up. And you guys can go back and sit with your folks. The epistle reading for this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to, to, one, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of our Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory be to thee, Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the, for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of our Lord. The hymn of the day is Alleluia, Let the Praises Ring, page number 822 of the Lutheran Service Book. Again, Alleluia, Let Praises Ring, found on page number 822.
Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and mercy and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's meditation is the gospel lesson that was just read from John chapter 2. Please have that in front of you. We will be referring to it as we go along here this morning. As much as I try, I cannot, as I have found out, I cannot fix all of my kids' problems. I can't do it. Whether it is, Dad, I'm hungry, I can... I can fix that because I can just make them a sandwich or, or something and, it, and it's fine. Or whether it's, Dad, my toy is broke. Can you fix it for the fifth time? Yeah, I can try. And sometimes I can fix the toy and sometimes I can't. Or maybe it's the fact that they have a skinned knee after we have told them time and time again, hey, if you do that, you might get hurt. Dad, I'm hurt. Huh. wonder how that happened. So you, I can't fix a skin knee other than the fact that I could just put a Band-Aid on it and hopefully they feel a little bit better. Or it's they have a gash in their foot or whatever else might be. Fighting, Dad, tell my brother to stop pestering me. All right. Were you the one pestering him? Uh-huh. I can fix some of my kids' problems, and some of them I can't. And so in Cana, in our text for this morning, there's a problem. And it's actually a very big problem. We might laugh at it, but it was actually a very big problem at this time and in this area. Jesus and his mother Mary have been invited to a wedding. Jesus is with his disciples. And Mary comes over to her son and says, they don't have any more wine. Which is a big deal. And the reason why it's a big deal is because for the bridegroom, if his party ran out of wine, and at this time, wedding celebrations usually lasted about a week, so you had to have enough wine in order to make it last for at least that long. And so if there was no more wine, that this was a major embarrassment to the groom. He can't have this happen. And if we look at our text, Jesus gives his mother a very interesting response. And Jesus said to her, woman, why does, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Interesting to note here is that this is the first time, I'm sorry, this is the last time that we will see Mary until at the crucifixion. And interestingly, too, Jesus refers to his mother by the same title of woman. Here he says, woman, what does this problem have to do with me? We're going to get to that in just a moment. But at the cross, he says to his mother, woman, behold your son. And so, he, and so um, uh, John, the writer of this gospel is with, is with her. Woman, behold your son, John, and son, of course, behold your mother. The question can be asked, and it certainly has been. I know that I have asked it before. Was Jesus being a bad son when he said this? 
Maybe. But of course, Jesus is no ordinary son. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is God incarnate. And so really, if he wants to say anything to anybody that he wants to, including his own mother, he can do that. But he doesn't do it just flippantly. He doesn't do it just because he's, he's angry or upset or because he wants to be disobedient to his mother. Notice what he says next. That my hour has not yet come. It is not yet time for me, Mom, to manifest my full glory. Of course, that comes later at the cross. And so Jesus sort of gives a rebuke to his mother. His mother then says to the servants, do whatever it is that he tells you. Right? Now, after this, Jesus says to the servants, go and fill each of these jars with water. Now, these jars were not just ordinary jars. These jars were enormous, big enough to fit a full-grown man. They were huge jars, holding about 20 to 30 gallons of water each. Interestingly, or I'm sorry, interesting to note here with this is that these jars, as it says, the water that was inside of them was used for the Jewish rites of purification. Whatever water that was in these giant jars was really, really dirty. Because they used them to wash their hands. They used them to wash the utensils that they would eat with. They used them to wash things that they would cook with. This water was really, really icky. How many of you have ever seen dirty dish water? Basically that, okay? Making all the more what Jesus does in just a little bit that much more amazing. So the servants fill the water to the brim. And he says, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it, they take this water that has now become wine to the master of the feast. And this guy is is blown away. He is shocked by how good that the wine tastes. And he says, usually people save the good wine. I'm sorry. Usually people serve the good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, when they have become, shall we say, they've had a little bit too much wine. Then once they have had a little bit too much wine, and they can't really taste whether the wine is good anymore, then you bring the poor wine after that. But you have kept the good wine until now, he says. You have kept the good wine until now completely reversing what is the norm, completely reversing, as we said at the beginning of our worship here today, completely reversing what happened in Eden, right? And then it says there in verse 11, this the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Remember, we said that at this time, rabbis thought, or they believed through their scholarship, that the fruit that Adam and Eve ate was not, in fact, an apple, but a grape, right? And if it was the grape that led Adam and Eve into sin, isn't it interesting that the first miracle that Jesus performs is turning water into wine? Not just any wine, but as the master of the feast said, really, really good wine, 
wine that tastes wonderfully, thus reversing what happens in the Garden of Eden. And this is a theme that we find throughout the Gospels. Jesus turns water into wine, thus showing and manifesting his glory, not only to his readers, but also to his disciples. And it says there, and his disciples believed in him. We don't know to what extent that they believed. We don't know how strong that their faith was. We can certainly tell from some of the other Gospels that sometimes they, in fact, a lot of times they faltered in their faith, especially at the very last point when he was led away to be crucified. Every single one of them leave him. And they leave him there by himself. They desert him. Especially the one, Peter, who said, Never, Lord, will I leave you. Well, of course, he is the one to deny him three separate occasions. I want to go back in the text. I want to go back to verse 5. No, sorry, to verse 3. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And then, skipping down to verse 5, His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Mary had a problem. A very big problem. She was probably put in charge. She was obviously in charge of whatever servants were there. We know that she was given some kind of an important task at this wedding. Perhaps the first wedding coordinator or something. And so Mary has a problem. And so what does she do? She takes her problem to her son, to her Messiah, to her Lord, Jesus. And Jesus solves it. And Jesus fixes the the issue. And he fixes the problem that his mother has. Now, I don't know if you are like me, but when I first read those three verses, my immediate thought was, man, that seems easy. It seems so easy for what Mary did to just simply take her problems to, to her son, to simply take her problems to Jesus, instead of worrying about it, instead of wondering, instead of, instead of holding on with, with white knuckles and wondering, is this going to work out? Am I going to be shamed because of this? Is my reputation going to be affected? No. It simply says she took her problem to Jesus, and Jesus solved it. Specifically, Jesus worked it for, his, for the good of his glory. Every single one of us here have the same problem. I have never met anybody anywhere, and I don't care what you say. If you say that, that you don't, you're lying. I have never met anybody anywhere who isn't faced with some kind of an issue, some kind of a problem, and doesn't worry. I do. But the problem with worrying is this. Worrying points to a lack of trust in God. There is no other way for me to say that to you and to myself here this morning. If you worry about problems, no matter how small or how big the problem is, it means that you have a lack of trust in God. It means that I do. 
Because if we are worrying about whatever our issues is, that means that we are not believing and we are not trusting that God is going to not only hear what our concerns are, but that he is going to take care of it in the way that he sees best. And for many of us, this is head knowledge. We know this. And we, and we understand it. And yet we still worry, don't we? We still worry about things like what's going to happen to our kids? What's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen with my family? What's going to happen with my marriage? What's going to happen with my health? What's going to happen to my loved one's health? What's going to happen to my loved one's marriage? I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And we worry. And instead of doing what Mary did, which is just to simply trust that God in his son Jesus is going to take care of it for the betterment of his glory, we worry. And we lose sleep. How many of you have ever lost sleep over something that you have worried about? Yeah. We lose sleep. We don't eat. This is what we do. But the reason why we do this is because in our sinful flesh, we don't trust God. We don't trust our Father. And if you look back at the text with me, the entire point of what not only this text is, but as we said from John 20 later on in his gospel, is what he says there. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The reason why Jesus performed this miracle and so many others, and the reason why Jesus performed a miracle in your life, as I said to the kids that were up here, the fact that you believe in Christ is a miracle. Have you ever considered that? It's a miracle, folks. Because on your own, you couldn't do it. And why not? Because you are, because according to Paul, what he says in Romans, you are dead in your sins. And dead people can't do anything. And so they need Christ. They need a Savior. And it is only through His Holy Spirit, when we are baptized into His name, when we hear the word spoken in our ears, only then is faith created in us. And only then is faith sustained in us by nothing that we do but by everything that God does for us. That is the miracle of faith in our lives. The saying is trite, but it is true nonetheless. We've we've seen this perhaps on t-shirts or on a meme online or something else. Hello, this is God. Today I'll be taking care of all of your problems. It's trite, but it's true. But the Bible says it better. The Bible says in 1 Peter, one of my favorite verses, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In my previous parish, I did a, a homily on this text, and I literally had, I thought about bringing it, but, but I didn't. Um, I had a fishing pole. And on the end of that fishing pole, I had put a rubber fish, And I literally was casting the fish into the congregation. And the reason why I did that, I said, if you catch it, I want you to think of whatever it is that your anxiety is. And then send it back. And so I did that for, I I mean, maybe I did that five or six times. 
And then once I took that fishing rod, I took it up here and I had a pair of scissors in my hand and I took the scissors and I cut the string. And why did I cut the string? Because the anxieties all went there and they didn't remain here. Again, as we've said, it's a lot easier said than done. But this is what God not only has called us to do, he commands us to do it. When he says in 1 Peter, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you, it's not a choice, folks. It's not, well, I can handle it this week, God. I think I got it. But this other one, I need you for. No. Cast all of your anxiety upon him. It doesn't matter if it's big or small or somewhere in the middle. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he is your God. And you are his people. We read in the Bible class this morning, we read some wonderful verses from Ezekiel and Isaiah and just about how much that God loves his people and how tenderly and eloquently he describes his love for us. He as the groom, we as the church, as his bride. Still another way that the Bible says it better from Psalm 46, again, one of my favorites, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. But we are too afraid to relinquish control. I love what Jesus says in his Gospels about worrying. And we've all, I think, I would venture to say that all of us here have heard it. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? How many of you can sit there and tell me today that by worrying, it fixed the problem? Come on. It didn't. And again, because we don't trust, we don't trust God in our sinful flesh, and we think that we are the ones who are in control over it. When in reality, as the old children's song goes, he's got the whole world in his hands. Again, it's a little trite, but nonetheless true. Cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. That is not a choice. It's a command. He's telling you to do it. Just like Mary did. She went to her son and said, they don't have any more wine. And Jesus fixed it, and he solved it. And he didn't just fix it, right? I mean, he didn't just sort of solve it, and that was it. You, you have to read that last verse, verse 11, for the whole thing to make sense. He fixed it so that his glory would be manifested. He fixed your sin and your unbelief in him so that his glory would be manifested. Every single one of you is a walking, talking billboard for the faith in Christ. Because you believe. Because God has worked a miracle in your life. Now, by not worrying, does that mean that we just sit on our hands in whatever of these situations that we find ourselves in and do nothing? Not necessarily. 
But what it does mean is that we stop worrying about it. Because worry is a sinful condition that comes from a lack of trust that God is in control and will be in control over it, and that he, again, as his word says, and here's the key, it goes back to verse 11, that he is working all things for good for those who love him. We can translate that a little bit differently. I think he is working all things for his glory for those who love him. John says in chapter 20 of his gospel, as we said, that all of these things about Jesus have been written so that you might believe in him. All of these things that have been written about him in his word have been written so that you and I might believe, so that you and I might trust that he is God, so that you and I might trust that he is Messiah, so that you and I might trust that he is Lord and Savior of our lives, and that he is working all things in your life for good, for his glory. He has revealed his glory in his word. We have been baptized into his name. In a few moments, we are to eat and drink of his very body and blood. Again, God used something that was awful, the crucifixion of his son, and he used it for good. And I said this last week. If God can take something as terrible and the most terrible thing, which was the death of of his son, and we talked about this in Bible class today, if God can, can take him literally turning his back on his son because he became everything that God hated and use it for his glory, trust him. Trust his word that whatever situation that you find yourself in, whether it's really bad, whether it's kind of bad, or whether it's not so bad but still bad, trust him when he says that he is working that for good and he is working that for his glory and for his purposes. So believe. Believe because, as Peter once said to him, one of my favorite verses Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. And so I can't, I can't fix all of my kids' problems. I can't fix all of them. But I can teach them to cast all of their anxieties upon Him because He cares for them. You cannot fix all of the problems that you are facing. So cast all of your anxieties upon him. Cast all of your worries upon him because he has already taken your hardships, the difficult times in your life, the difficult season, and he has nailed them to his cross. And he has put them to death. Until the day comes, and this is, this is why this particular miracle is so amazing and so wonderful, until the day comes when we as his bride will be welcomed into the marriage feast of a lamb which has no end. Because on, on that day, we won't have any problems anymore. We won't have to take things to him because we will be in the presence of Jesus. We will see him face to face, face to face. As his word says, we will see him as he is. And so may we, this day and every day, cast all of our anxieties upon him because he cares for us.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now confess together the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Apostles' Creed as is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, believe the, Father in God Almighty, the Father Almighty, maker of, maker of heaven and earth, and in, and in Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we will gather our tithes and offerings. Uh, please find the red sign-in book, whether you are a member or a guest with us this morning, and please fill that out. We collect our tithes and offerings. The radio broadcast is made possible by donations to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church. Please contact the church office for how you can help. That number would be 417-235-7300. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching, baptizing, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. Trinity Lutheran School is searching for a 7th and 8th grade homeroom teacher for the, for the 2019-2020 school year. Applications are due by February 8th. Contact the school office at 417-235-5931 for an application. A men's Bible study meets at 8 a.m. each Wednesday morning in the Narthex. Several ladies' Bible studies meet during the week in the surrounding areas. For more information, call the church office at 417-235-7300. The Lutheran Hour is our church's witness to the public marketplace. Today's message is entitled, My Delight is in Her, and the guest speaker is Rev. Dr. Anthony Tony Cook. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, God rejoices over you. This week we explore our new name and identity as the Bride of Christ. You might read Isaiah chapter 62 verses 1 through 5.
Let us pray. Lord, help us to be like Mary. That when problems arise, we would simply give them to you. To know and to trust that you have already taken care of them for us and your glory will be revealed in it. May we look forward with with eagerness to the day when you will come again. To that day when we will no longer have to take our problems to you because they will no longer exist. Instead, we will be at the marriage feast with the Lamb and his kingdom which will have no end. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for the preservation of marriage, that God would defend husbands and wives from every assault of the enemy, that that God would support them in their faithfulness and loving service to one another, and grant them joy in every time. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all public servants and those who protect us, that they may be supported and upheld in every good deed. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for those who work to bring peace, justice, health, and protection in this and every place, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for all those who are sick, who are hurt, who are lonely, or who are despairing. We pray for all those, especially who are on our health list, for for Melba and for Lanny, for Janice and Myron and Carol, and Orrin and Ethel and Joan and Addison and Steve, and Becky, and Wayne, and Bob, and Bob, and Mark, and Lorne, and Gary, and Emma, for Rosemarie, and for Brenda, for Arlene, and for Bob, for John, and Debbie, and for Mary Ann, for Ellie, and for Mary, and Fred, and Lisa, Ramona, Maxine, and also for Jen. And Lord, we also pray for all those that we know who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, that we name before you in our hearts. We humbly ask that you would heal them in every way. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for blessings and joy for all with birthdays. May they feel assured and ready for the year ahead, knowing that you have ordered their steps. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you for all with anniversaries soon. As your word says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Continue to wrap yourself in our marriages and our families. We pray for Walt and for Cheryl and for Wayne and for Helen, that you might keep them in their marriage so hidden within you that all forces of evil would come to nothing. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, we pray for grace to partake faithfully of the body and blood of Christ with repentant hearts and a firm resolution to amend our sinful lives by the aid of your Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And so may the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places 
Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communing, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize, I recognize and confess, and confess that, I am, that I am a sinner. I repent, I repent of my, of my sin, sin and ask God's, God's forgiveness. forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my, is my only Lord and Savior from sin, from sin Satan, and Satan, and death. I believe that the believe risen Christ, that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and under the form, under of, the the form of the bread and wine. I receive, I receive his, his true body, body and blood for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of, my of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also we took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
The first communion hymn today will be O Holy Spirit, Enter In, found on page 913 of the Lutheran Service Book. Again, O Holy Spirit, Enter In, page 913. The next hymn will be O Love, How Deep, found on page 544 of the Lutheran Service Book. Again, O Love, How Deep, page 544. So page 913 is first, and the second hymn is 544.
the next hymn is O Love How Deep, page 544. Again, O Love How Deep, page 544 in the Lutheran Service Book.
Now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. Let us pray. You know what? Why don't we pray this prayer together? We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord be with you. Blessed we the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. The closing hymn for today is Holy Spirit, Grant Us Grace, found on page 693 of the Lutheran Service Book. Again, O Holy Spirit, grant us grace.
Just a few announcements before we uh, leave for the day. I promise they're not long, and I promise to have you home by halftime. Um, you'll notice that in the, commun- the second communion hymn that we sang, um, O Love, How Deep, I know that, that that is one that our congregation does not know as well, but it is one that I would l- like us to learn. Um, a, uh, the hymn is beautiful. Uh, the, the music is, is compelling. Um, and its words are just, are just very, very comforting. And so it's one that I would like our congregation to learn. Um, and so you'll notice it as a communion hymn in the next several Sundays, just so we can kind of get used to it. And then maybe by Easter, uh, perhaps we will know it well enough to put it on display in, a reg- in, a, in the regular liturgy there. Um, the office is closed tomorrow for Martin Luther King Day, so please take note of that. Uh, the Board of Evangelism will, will be holding an in-gathering of food the following two Sundays, uh, next Sunday the 27th and then February the 3rd. Ladies' Aid Work Day is January the 28th at 9 a.m. And then our next voters' meeting will be this coming Sunday uh, after the debt reduction potluck uh, dinner, so please make note of that as well. Uh, and between now and then, I pray that you all have a very, very blessed week. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on www.freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Carol Kleibaker, and we wish you a blessed week.